Yeah, I'm glad we can applaud that. My name's John Schmidt, by the way. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship uh, Church. And you just saw some of our worship leaders there. In addition to Shelly up there, were Ashley and Lauren on that video. Uh, and they are worship leaders at our new uh, Cloverdale site that is now meeting on Sunday afternoons at 4 o'clock. And pretty soon we hope to have a site up and running in Wetumpka. And uh, Lauren will be involved in leading that. And so we are blessed with lots of talented people. If you've ever wondered, well, hey, these, these sites and things, how do you find the right people to be site pastors and worship leaders. Well, God brings them to us. And you can be praying about that, but that's why we're so excited that we're going to have extension of this church in many places here and a couple of, hopefully, um, more places in 2014 uh, than we have now. And so um, uh, we're glad that you are here with us, and that's an exciting part of our ministry. Uh, today, we are continuing on in our series entitled Behind the Music. And we're talking about Christmas carols like the first Noel. Well, what's the story behind the music? Nobody knows who wrote that carol, by the way. It's been around for a couple hundred years and uh, was sung by people around campfires, around Yule logs, or around bonfires, around Yule logs at Christmas time. It's been sung for a long time in Europe. Uh, in French, by the way, Noel just means Christmas. And uh, so if uh, you say uh, uh, Joyeux Noel or something like this, if you speak French, then I just slaughtered that, I'm sure. But uh, it just means Merry Christmas. Noel means Christmas. But where it comes from is it comes from when the angels... When an angel announced to shepherds outside of Bethlehem that Jesus had been born. And so on, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline today where I'm headed regarding the first Noel. And the first blank is this, that Noel simply means Jesus' birth announcement. If you need a pen, by the way, our ushers will be uh, bringing one to you. If you raise your hand, they'll be uh, bringing a pen to you. And so um, uh, we'll be getting those out in just a second. But uh, it just simply means a birth announcement. And the reason that that was uh, done that way is because Jesus' birth was good news. This morning, I want to talk with you about why that announcement was such a big deal and why it's such good news. Because it's important as we celebrate Christmas this year that we understand what it's really all about. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you for the good news that Jesus was born. I thank you, Lord, that you announced this in a powerful way and in a wonderful way. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak and that you will move me out of the way and you will teach us a few things about, um, about the meaning of the Christmas holiday and why the first Noel was so important. In the name of Christ, I pray, amen. So point one on your outline, Jesus' birth was such good news that it was announced by an angel. I mean, if you make a birth announcement when a first child is born, people send out a birth announcement. Many times it's pretty elaborate. We uh, one birth announcement among some of our Christmas cards. People were introducing a new family member in their first Christmas, and, and they tell you all about the baby, whether it's a little boy or girl, how much they weighed and how long they were, what the time of birth was, and all these things, and a little bit about their name maybe and other things, and it's really pretty special. Uh, that's usually done for the first child. If you're the third or fourth child, you get mentioned on Facebook about six weeks later. Okay, yeah, we had a baby uh, October, I think. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> what happens is sometimes that, uh, you know, life continues. But the idea on this was, this was God's one and only son. And uh, this was a special birth announcement. Didn't even use just good stationery. I mean, God sent an angel. An angel is a messenger from heaven. Okay, this is a messenger, a messenger of God who came to announce the good news that Jesus was in the world. I mean, when you want to announce you have a little child born, this is, you're proud of it. And God was proud of it. And this was big news. This is from Luke chapter 2. The time came for the baby to be born. This is Jesus. Joseph and Mary have traveled to Bethlehem because 
uh, Caesar had declared a census in the Roman world to collect taxes, and everybody had to go back to their own hometown, their ancestral hometown, and Joseph was of the line of David, so he had to go back to Bethlehem. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Mary came along, and she and Joseph were betrothed to be married, and she was carrying Jesus. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The manger implies they were in some kind of barn or a lean-to or a cave. It was normally fit for cattle. And so Jesus' first bed was not a crib. It was a hay trough. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. If you'd underline, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That was the Noel. That was the birth announcement. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. In the note below that, you'll see that this, I want to explain that a little more. Jesus' birth was good news because it fulfilled God's promise to send the Christ. C-H-R-I-S-T. It's a title. The title of a promised deliverer. Right below that note, you will see that Christ is equal to Messiah. The Hebrew word Messiah, the Greek word Christ, all mean the same thing. They mean an anointed Savior, a Redeemer, a long-awaited King from David's lineage. There have been prophecies given, men who are inspired by God to proclaim about future things. There would be a great deliverer who would come. Israel as a nation had kind of reached its high point under the leadership of David, King David, the same guy who killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. Um, David was a man after God's own heart, and people trusted not only that he would lead the government well, but he would lead them to follow God. And he was a wonderful king. Well, after him came his son Solomon, who prayed for supernatural wisdom, and God gave it to him. And a temple was built, of which there's never been an equal. Solomon's temple was a breathtaking a monument to God's glory and a place where people could come and worship and offer sacrifices for their sins and pray. And it was amazing. And during Solomon's time, the nation reached splendor that it never reached again. But Solomon's son, Rehoboam, was uh, not a good king. And the nation split apart under him. David's grandsons were just two generations away. And Israel split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the northern kings all went bad and turned away from God. Most of the southern kings did as well, and people gradually lost hope that anybody like David would ever come again. And then about 750 years before Jesus was born, this prophecy came along in Isaiah 9. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of, heaven's army, Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. David ruled for about 40 years. Solomon ruled for about 40 years. But this descendant of David would rule forever. And people said, well, when will that happen? And people began to pray. Maybe in their lifetime. Maybe in another lifetime. Well, 700 years or so after that prophecy was given... The right time came, and Jesus entered the world. 
Paul talked about this in Galatians 4. He said, but when the right time came, or in some translations, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, speaking of Jesus here, born of a woman, to buy freedom for us so that, we could, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And that's why it was such big news. This was the child of promise. This was the child who would come and set things right again. People have been waiting for this child for hundreds of years. Someone, a descendant of David, who was an anointed one. I mean, that's what Messiah means. It means to have oil poured on your head. When David was anointed king by the prophet Samuel, he took a horn, a ram's horn that had been kind of made into a funnel, filled it with olive oil, and as he anointed David king, I mean, to anoint David king was to pronounce over him that God had selected him as king, and as he did so, he took his hand away from the bottom of the funnel, and the oil flowed all over David. And it represented God's Holy Spirit would be upon him, and God himself would be with him and would guide him. So David was just no ordinary guy. And this would be somebody better than David, whose reign would never end, an anointed one with God's Holy Spirit all over him, who would lead the people and bring peace. And then that brings us to the next note in your outline. Jesus' birth is good news for everyone. Good news for everyone, not just for the Jews. The Jewish people were looking for a, a Jewish redeemer, but the angel said, hey, this is good news for all people. In Galatians 3, Paul talked about this as well. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, in some of the early chapters there in Genesis 12, God had told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make a mighty nation of you, a people that I can call my own, the Jewish people. And Abraham was the ancestor of them all. And he said, I'm going to, another place in Genesis, he said, I'm going to give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham was out walking under a night sky, and he said, you'll have more descendants than this. And Abraham was an old man at the time, and he didn't even have one child. He said, but I will bless you everywhere you go, every place your foot touches, I'm going to give that to you and your descendants. And Abraham never realized all this in his lifetime. But God said, as you go through, as time progresses on here, you're going to see my plan unfolding. And in Genesis 12, 2, he said, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. And he's speaking about Jesus, that there would be a Messiah, one who would come and set things right, not just for his, his descendants, but all nations on earth. And that brings you to the next note. Therefore, Jesus' birth was such good news that it made the angels sing. While that angel was talking to the shepherds, other angels joined in. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Glory to God in highest heaven, by the way, just is gloria in excelsis deo. That's Latin for that phrase. I'm just full of linguistic tips today. It's amazing. Okay, but I think, you know, sometimes we wonder, well, where does that come from? What are they singing? Gloria and excelsis Deo? Well, they're singing glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. This was good news for the whole human race. This was good news for everyone. A savior has come into the world, someone with God's Holy Spirit all over him who would set things right for everyone, who would bring peace between God and people because God is righteous and we are not. He is holy and we are sinful. And someone would come and restore the relationship the way it's supposed to be. And so as the angel is proclaiming this good news, the curtain, the curtains to heaven are pulled back. And these shepherds out on the field 
all of a sudden can see the entire army of heaven, and they're all rejoicing. I mean, there's one angel that starts this, but all the other angels go, uh, no, this is too big. We're getting in on this. When Peter wrote about this, he said, you know, all the prophets like Isaiah, they told what they knew, but they only had clues. And it was all vague and misty to them, and they didn't understand how all these things would happen. But now, and Peter was writing, but now in his lifetime, he'd seen these things come to pass about Christ coming into the world. And he concludes a paragraph in 1 Peter 1 that's really incredible here. He says this whole business of sending Jesus into the world, it's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. I mean, it's this big of a new, this big of a story. This is big news. This is not like any other birth announcement ever in the history of the world. The anointed one, the one who's going to set things right between holy God and sinful man, he's come into the world. That prophecy from 700 years earlier, it's being fulfilled today, right over the hill in Bethlehem. You know that promise made 2,000 years ago to Abraham? This is the child through whom all the nations on earth will be blessed right here, right now. And all the other angels go, we're getting in on this too. Glory to God in highest heaven. I mean, they have been waiting ever since that was said to Abraham 2,000 years before. The angels themselves had been waiting for this day to come to pass. And now it happened, and they were watching. This is big news. Now, I say all this, and it's important for us to understand, because this is the life application. I think this is how it applies to us this Christmas. This Christmas, therefore, we must remember what's truly important. The first Noel, the first birth announcement, went out to shepherds. Angels themselves made this announcement because it was such a big deal. And if we're not careful, while this is happening, while, this, while we have the record of this happening, we can become so busy and preoccupied with other things, we'll miss it. It happened later in Jesus' ministry. This baby Jesus grew up to be the man Jesus who did mighty miracles and taught as no one else had ever taught. And one day when he was traveling to Jerusalem with his disciples, he stopped at the home of two women, two sisters, Mary and Martha. And one of them was so caught up in the details that she was about to miss the moment. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Now her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth, if you flip your page over, please, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I mean, can you imagine? This is the scene in the living room. Jesus is probably proclaiming, you know, the golden rule or turn the other cheek type of thing, telling his disciples this profound truth about how we're supposed to love and forgive others. You know, if there's a speck, if there's a log in your own eye, don't try to point out the speck in your brother's eye. Yeah, well, that's good, Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus. Mary, would you come help me in the kitchen? Jesus, would you tell her to come help me? And then you can continue on with that golden rule stuff. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, Jesus was teaching in her living room. We don't know exactly what he was saying, but it was probably more important than dinner. The God of heaven who came into earth, the anointed one, 
the one promised from eternity past, was in her living room, and she was more concerned with the plans for the day than she was with listening to the anointed one. And Mary was just listening. And Jesus goes, Martha. Martha. Mary's chosen what's most important. I mean, Mary was hearing Jesus teach out loud, live. Jesus, the live set. Okay, right here. The actual teaching. And Martha was going to miss it. Can you imagine being in a place where, could you imagine living in a country where you had a whole day set up to celebrate Jesus' birthday? I mean, we even call it Christ Mass. All day, a holiday, a national holiday. We have the whole day off on the 25th of December. We take a day every year set aside to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Could you imagine people being so busy with giving gifts and wrapping presents and setting up trees and going to parties that they never even once celebrated Jesus' birthday during that time? Could you imagine such a place? I can. It's where we live. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. An angel was sent from the throne of heaven to proclaim this good news. It's that big. All the other angels in heaven said, we got to get in on this. It's that big. This is the, the birth of all birth announcements. This is the biggest announcement ever. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. One of the things we did early on at our house, we started a tradition. It may seem sort of silly to some of you. And if it does, then you don't have to do it. Okay? It's just at our house. Uh, but my wife and I decided when our kids were small, we never wanted to forget the priority that this Christmas was Jesus' birthday. And so on Christmas Eve, after we would come home from worship services at church and candlelight services and things like this, um, we, we wanted to celebrate with our boys. And so every birthday party that they were at during the year, we always had pizza and then cake and ice cream. So at our house on Christmas Eve, we have pizza and cake and ice cream. We have a birthday cake for Jesus, and when they were little, we would even sing, uh, Happy Birthday, Jesus. Happy Birthday to Jesus. To remind ourselves what this is all about. Well, I want to tell you, they're grown now, and they're going to be at our house on Christmas Eve this year, and we're still going to have pizza and cake and ice cream, and we invite my wife's parents now to come join us too, and we still sing Happy Birthday to Jesus. And we'll read this story here and talk about how important it is that Jesus came into the world. It's Jesus' birthday. By the way, many people have commented on this when they talk about this song. You know, it says, Noel, 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 the birth announcement four times. Born as the king of Israel. Well, they kind of overdid that. It's like, well, there's another song we sing on birthdays. It repeats things four times. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to John. Happy birthday to you. And when it's your birthday, it's not silly. And when it's Jesus' birthday, it's not silly. Noel, 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 born as the king of Israel. Jesus is born. And this is a big deal. And I think one life application we can take from the life of Mary and Martha is we must not get so caught up in our parties and our plans and our wrapping and our things and our shopping that we forget to take time out to remind ourselves this is what Christmas is all about. The most important thing is to remember it's Jesus' birthday. That was the most important thing to the angels. And that brings us to point two in your outline. Well, the announcing angel told the shepherds how to find baby Jesus. 
And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, well, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that's happened. This is Luke 2, 12 and following, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and they found Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger, just like the angel said. So not only did the angel tell them this good news had happened, but they could go see this. Now, Bethlehem was a small village and there weren't that many places where there would be a baby in a manger. And so this child was placed in this hay trough. There would have been only a few public stables where somebody would look. And even in that day, it was unusual to have a baby in a manger. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, well, there's lots of babies in mangers. All right, it would be unusual today to find a baby in a hay trough, a newborn baby. That would be strange. Okay, and it was very strange in that day as well. And, you know, some of these things, we've heard them so many times, we forget to understand this. It's the same with Christ being a title of the uh, Messiah. It wasn't Jesus' last name. He's not Jesus Christ, son of Mary Christ and Joseph Christ. You know, the Christ family lives in the barn down the road and sleep in mangers. Okay? That's not who it is. And many times we think like that because we put out the nativity scene every year and we think they stayed there. They did not. That was a one-night deal, an emergency situation. And that's where the shepherds found him. Now, it's important for us to realize that the angel told the shepherds how to find Jesus, and God has told us how to find Jesus too. He has. And I just want to take a, I'm not the first person to do this by any means, but I just want to take a simple outline using A, B, and C to remind us, if someone is looking for Jesus in our day, how would you tell them how to find him? Well, in the shepherd's day, well, go to Bethlehem, you'll find a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that'll be Jesus. Well, here's how you would tell somebody to find Jesus today. First of all, it's just using the outline A, B, and C, so it's simple. Um, First of all, the A would stand for you and I must admit, we must admit that we're all sinners who have rebelled against God. I mean, if you want to find a Savior, the first place to start is to say, I need saving. To say, help. We need to admit this. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We're all sinners here, and we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came into the world, to save sinners like you and me. And I wish I would have put this verse in your outline, 1 Timothy 1.15. Did you guys put this? Were you able to put this on the screen? Okay, can you put that on for us? Oh, okay, it's up here already. Uh, 1 Timothy 1.15. Could we read this together, please? This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Paul wrote that in 1 Timothy 1. This was written to his disciple Timothy. This is a guy who wrote most of the New Testament. I mean, this is an admission. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. Paul had done everything he could to stamp out Christianity at one time, and he knew he was a sinner. Self-righteous, judgmental, condemning, murderous. And Paul said, Jesus came into the world to save people even as wretched as me. So the good news is, the angel said, this would be good news for all people. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we can come to Christ because we're all sinners. And we need to admit that. If you and I are looking for a Savior, that's where we start. If you want to find Jesus, then we need to admit that we're sinners and we need him. Secondly, the B is, we must believe that Jesus died in our place to save us from our sins. That all this really happened. That a real God sent his real son, Jesus, to be born in real time and space in Bethlehem. 
I mean, this separates us from the Christian view from any other religion in the sense that we're not saying that hypothetically God could have done this. We are saying, no, God literally did this. A real Savior was born at a real time and space in Bethlehem on a real day. And that real child grew up to be a, a real prophet of the Lord who really told amazing things about God that nobody had ever heard. He really made blind people see and lame people walk and dead people rise again. He really was crucified on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins because he was really the only person who never sinned. He was really placed in a real tomb on a good Friday and he really rose from the dead. And on Easter Sunday morning, the tomb was really empty. He really ascended into heaven and he told his disciples that when everything was ready, he was coming back one day to get them. And we really believe that that's really going to happen really soon. Really. And you and I have to believe that. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is a real belief that God sent his son to die for me. By the way, um, if you read any amount of commentary on the whole section of what kind of shepherds did the angels make this wonderful birth announcement to, well, it's interesting to know that first of all, it's perfectly fitting that the announcement would have come to shepherds because Jesus came to save everybody and the shepherds were just blue-collar workers. They were ordinary people, ordinary Joes. They didn't have to have a PhD, didn't have to be a graduate of seminary, didn't have to be a politician or a king, didn't have to be an Olympic athlete, just ordinary people. So that would make sense because it was good news for all people. But secondly, many people pointed out that right outside of Bethlehem is where the sheep were raised and there was a pen or a and the whole herd there, a flock, I herd, I grew up with cattle, uh, a whole flock of sheep that was kept there uh, outside of Bethlehem, and these sheep were raised for Passover celebrations. The lambs were used, and every year when the Hebrews celebrated Passover, lambs would be slain to atone for the sins of the people. And it's entirely possible that these shepherds could have been watching over Passover lambs. Lambs whose whole purpose in life was to be raised so that they could die as an atonement for people's sins. That wouldn't be something if the angel announced that to these shepherds. You know the sheep you're watching? Well, this is the Lamb of God who's going to be raised to die for the sins of all people everywhere. The ultimate Passover lamb. And they believed. They believed what the angel said. They believed enough to go to Bethlehem and see. And everything was exactly as the angel had told them. We need to admit that we're sinners. We need to believe that Jesus really came into the world to save us from our sin. And C, we need to confess that Jesus is Lord and surrender control of our lives to him. I mean, if he is God in the flesh, then he's God in the flesh. I'm not, and you're not. If he came into the world to save us, then he's the only one who can save us. I can't save myself, and I need him. For God loved the world so much, this is, um, I'm sorry, uh, let me start with Romans 10, 9. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we say it many times here at Centerpoint, and I won't apologize for that. We'll say it again. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. 
What we mean by that is this, that I need to confess that Jesus is Lord of my life, and so do you. I meet many people who talk to me. I say, well, are you a Christian? Well, my mom and dad took me to church when I was little. I mean, they're Christians. Well, good for mom and dad. What about you? Well, my uncle, he used to work with Billy Graham. Well, good for your uncle and good for Billy. What about you? There comes a time in my life when I need to confess, I am a sinner. I need a savior. I surrender my life to Jesus. He is my Lord. He's always been Lord. I just haven't surrendered till now. And that's an important turn of events. And if you and I want to find a savior, that's how we do it. That's how we find Jesus. Now, there's a life application that I want to draw out of this as well. Another application, that's this, that God will reward us if we seek him with all of our hearts. Why would I come to Christ? Well, God promises to reward us. Hebrews eleven six says that in order to believe in God, in order that those who have faith in God, they first of all believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of all those who sincerely seek him. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And if you'd circle the word rest, you and I will find rest in the presence of Jesus when we come to him. My goodness, do you know a friend, a sister, a brother, a cousin, a neighbor, someone whose life is hard and empty and pointless. Maybe they're completely controlled by an addiction. Maybe they've given in to fear and shame and guilt. Maybe they're just bent over double with worry. The good news is the same news to those shepherds, the angel proclaimed the shepherds. Jesus said, I'll give you rest for your souls. I mean, that's been one of the greatest joys in my life is coming to Christ to find rest for my soul. I can bring all my worries to him. When my wife and I pray about an anxiety, when my kids and I pray about a big decision, when our staff and I pray about direction in our lives, or we pray as an elder board, one of the great confidences I have is that God hears us and that he will guide us, and I can rest in that. We talk many times, I don't know what would happen if I didn't have Jesus. I mean, I don't even know how you could handle that. But God will reward us if we come to him with rest. Secondly, in John 5, 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. And if you'd circle eternal life, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. Not only does coming to Jesus give us rest and peace in this life, but we have the hope of eternal life in heaven because Christ has made us right with the Lord and we can enter his presence now without fear. Uh, many of you know that uh, a couple of years ago, I lost my dad. Um, he passed away. Uh, complications with Alzheimer's um, about six or seven months ago. Uh, my mom passed. I guess it's eight months ago now. My mom passed away. And so this would be the first Christmas I have without my parents. Either one of them. And um, at, Chris at Thanksgiving time, a number of my siblings and I got together and we talked about all this. And one of the things that gives us all great comfort is there's any woman I know who wanted to celebrate Christmas in heaven, it's my mom. And that is a very encouraging thought. Her body was all riddled with cancer. My dad, his mind was taken away by Alzheimer's. And this Christmas, they are singing choruses of praise to God in heaven, saying at the foot of Jesus himself, 
And that makes me very happy. And do you know that through Christ, one day, I plan to join them? Now, I don't know if it's today or not, but, I, <laughs> but the day when my time comes, I plan to join them. And I tell you that with confidence, not because I think I'm anything special, but because I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he rose again, and he's got a place for me in heaven too. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. We can have peace in this life. We can have eternal life with Christ, and yet we don't come to him. And the angels thought this was a big deal. The Messiah, the Christ, is born. He's right over there in Bethlehem. He's a baby lying in a manger. Go and see. And the shepherds went and saw. And they understood that this was a baby above all babies. And that brings us to the last point in your outline. The shepherds then announced the good news about Jesus' birth to everyone. Luke 2, 17 and following. After seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angels said about this child, to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God for all that they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So the first Noel, the first birth announcement, was from the angel to the shepherds. The second Noel was from the shepherds to everyone they met. And so if I were writing a final verse, we've got all the verses to the first Noel on the back of your outline here. And the first Noel was this, um, that the angels did say was to certain four shepherds in fields as they lay. I would have written a verse. The second Noel that the shepherds did say was to everyone they met as they went on their way. Only I didn't get to write a verse. And so that's what I would have done. I would have added yet another verse. The third Noel that we did say was to people who need Jesus today. And that one isn't very good at all, so we're going to leave that one off. But I will say it's a life application here. We, this is, we need to tell everyone the good news about Jesus. The angels couldn't wait to tell the shepherds. The shepherds couldn't wait to tell their friends. What are we waiting for? We don't, know, we don't know anybody who needs peace with God. We don't, need, we don't know anybody who needs rest for their souls. We don't know anybody who's afraid of what comes next after they die. We don't know anybody like that. Everyone we know is like that. And that's why we're to proclaim the gospel. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere to the ends of the earth. The dot, dot, dot was Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, everywhere. When Paul reflected on this in Romans 1, he said, look, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere, changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the first day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. That was Colossians 1. Here's Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ, for it's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. I hope that we are not ashamed of this story. In fact, I would hope that we would make it our Christmas wish this Christmas season. That first of all, we would remember that this is Jesus' birthday, and that's the most important thing. And secondly, that we would proclaim the good news to everyone we meet as well. So I'd like to pray toward those two ends. And if you'd join me, please, I'd be grateful. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. 
I want to thank you for the opportunity to worship you and give you praise. I want to thank you that Christmas is just a couple of days away. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you will um, remind us not to get caught up in anything else this Christmas season to the point where we forget it's your birthday. I pray that in our homes and among our family members and those we love the most, we will set aside time just to wish you happy birthday this December 25th. If it's your desire to, to make Christ's birthday prominent in your life this Christmas, would you just pray that right now and say, God, I, help me keep get my priorities right. Oh, Father, this Noel was good news also that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was born. And God, I just pray that um, this Christmas you would give us courage and a desire to spread this news to as many people as we can. In 2014, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our ears to people who are hurting and we could say, well, I know someone who can help you. His name is Jesus. God loves you. If it's your desire, if you'd be willing to be used by God this next year to bring him glory and to bring people to him, you just say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but if you give me the right words, then, Lord, I want to be a witness for you. Lord, I'm no Billy Graham. I'm no great evangelist. But, Lord, if you can use me, then I'm willing to be used. Well, Father, we are sinners, each and every one. We confess our sins to you. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that he died so we could live. We thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed your only son. And Father, I just um, am grateful now we can become part of your family as a result. We love you very much, Lord, and we thank you for Christ. Help us to make a big deal out of his birthday this Christmas in our hearts and in our homes and in every opportunity we can find. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.